0: It's Bronze and Modern Gods. I'm John, and we're not dead from Hillary yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm worried
1: about you guys out there. going to get waterlogged.
0: Hi, Richard. Hi, everyone. Uh, You know, uh, through the magic of the interwebs, we actually haven't been hit by Hurricane Hillary yet here. Uh, as we're recording this, hopefully I'll get it edited and uploaded in time before we lose power for a week. Who knows what's going to happen? Oh, I right know. Bright, bright, bright side, bright side. You're... you're, you're, you're lawn will be watered yes it will be gorgeous the lawn uh <laughs> follow us on facebook and instagram at bronze modern gods if you're not please do so uh and hit like hit subscribe it helps us out with everyone welcome everyone a reminder richard this guy right here next to me and i will be at baltimore comic con coming up soon september 8th 9th and 10th and we will be live streaming from the Wacom booth. Wacom, as you guys know, have been gracious enough to sponsor this show. And you can show your support for Bronze and Modern Gods by downloading and testing and trying the Wacom app today. Trying, it's free, right, Richard? Yep, it's free and
1: easy to download. Uh, You can follow me at Chronosafe. My daughter is starting to use um, Wacom to keep track of her manga collection and find new books to read. So it's an amazing resource for people or into manga. Uh,
0: And I'm on there at John underscore Hughes, just like the director, lots of you following us, we see you, Uh, we're seeing your collections, we're seeing your want list. You can add whatever data you like when you add your collection in, you can put your grade if it's a CGC slab, page quality. Uh, It's kind of like a social network for comic book readers. You can keep track of what you've read, what you have, what you want, it's great. It's free. It's WAKOOM. W-H-A-K-O-O-M. It's on the Google Play Store and the Apple App Store. We will see you at the WAKOOM booth at Baltimore Comic-Con. Richard, hot book of the week. You would think you picked this, but I actually picked it. You, you would think. This is like
1: right in my alley. Uh, my alley. Uh, Uncanny X-Men number 109, 1978. This is an awesome book. Chris Claremont as writer. Uh, John Byrne as as uh, artist, beautiful beautiful artwork. First
0: appearance of Weapon Alpha, who will later be known as Vindicator. I don't know why this book is spiking this week, but it is. Uh, you know, lots of sales volume on this. The ninety day average for CGC graded nine point eight is two thousand and thirty eight dollars. That's down from its all time high of three thousand one hundred one dollars in the great comic boom of twenty twenty one. Uh, just a great classic John Byrne costume design. Uh, okay, people like Vindicator, right? Yeah. Why he was killed off in Alpha Flight twelve? He hasn't been around for decades. I know, and his his wife took
1: over after after he was killed off. Uh, I have to do have to say, you're right. Great costume. I you know, uh, John Byrne did an excellent job for Alpha Flight for costumes.
0: Yeah, I, I don't I do. yeah. Oh, Well, let me, get, Vindicator. let me get in there. For real quick. Huh? I do think he owes a little bit to George Freeman and Captain Canuck, uh, which was first.
1: <laughs> Mm-mm. But Mm-mm. go on. Sorry.
0: Yeah. No, no. Um,
1: you know, um, Aurora and, and North Star, they had great costumes. I think they complimented each other. Just a, I think he did a good job on the costumes. But yeah, I, I, you're right, though. You know, it's Vindicator starts off strong and you know, he is he's the alpha male of. Alpha Flight and then kind of, kind of goes away. Great and uh, <laughs> team dynamic changes a bit. Um, but yeah, this, this is, I, I, I love this book. I love all of these. Everyone knows Burn Burn Claremont books, I think are, are the pinnacle of the X-Men uh, saga. But I've been, I've been saying buy this book for, for years. I've been buying copies of it wherever I could, whenever I was able to find them. And they're starting to go up in value. I mean, I I, I used to, used to be able to buy them for fifty bucks. Uh, now you know it's more around two hundred for one of these books as a raw. So uh, if you do come across one, a lot of people will come across them. They'll, they'll buy a, a set or a, a collection of X Men books. Um, if you do come across one, hold on to it. In my opinion, I think because it's Wef- Weapon X, you know, um, a Weapon X, I'm sorry, Weapon Alpha. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Weapon X, and Weapon X is Wolverine, and it's Wolverine versus um, uh, uh, Weapon Alpha. I, I think it's going to continue to hold value, and as, as Wolverine becomes an important part of the MCU, which he's going to be, and it, it's, it's harder. <laughs> I can't think of an easier bet than to see Wolverine uh, as a significant part of the of, uh, MCU. I
0: think uh, all of his key books, which is this is one of them, are going to be really good. I did see that there was a new Alpha Flight series coming from Marvel. Yeah. And it's the original team. I was, like, shocked to look at the lineup. It's not like, you know, we're going to reboot this for, you know, the 90s or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, oh, well, yeah. All new young people in it. Yeah. I So I actually think I might even pick it up. Uh, I wonder if it's worth picking up. Uh, speaking of, I pick, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to ask, is is Puck on there? Uh, I thought Puck was on there. Um, here's a shot of the cover. So you tell me, um, (laughs) I speaking of picking stuff up when I was down in Mexico city, uh, about a month and a half ago, or has it been two months now? Um, I happened to pick this up. Oh, lucky dog. Yeah. Perfect timing. It is the, uh, Mexican reprint of X-Men 109. I would say it's probably a nine Oh nine two after a press. So, uh, talk about, um, a lucky, uh, a lucky pickup, $3 and 50 cents.
1: Yeah. You, 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 unfortunately have that access. I shouldn't say, unfortunately, cause you get me goodies sometimes too, uh, to, to the Mexican market directly from the tap. So yeah. that's, that's awesome.
0: Make those I've courses. got the best, uh, tour guide ever that happens to live here in my house. What can I say? <laughs> okay. Time for our show and tell feature. Well, half show and tell Richard, Tell everyone why you don't have any show-and-tell books this week.
1: Uh, I had just had a rather large uh, plumbing bill come, a five-figure plumbing bill uh, come, and uh, that kind of drained all of my my fun resources. So my comic book purchases are going to be pretty light here for the foreseeable future. Going to
0: sell that FF number five to pay for the plumbing? nope, nope, (laughs) nope there's like
1: five core books that will I will be cuddling in my coffin uh and that is going to be one of them
0: all right well I have some show and tell here uh you know maybe uh Hurricane Hillary will uh, make me sell some of these after this uh after it hits I got this from uh my LCS and uh that would be uh Ryan at Pulp Fiction here in Long Beach California and it's really nice it's X-Men number six oh look at that excellent with uh submariner mm-hmm. uh when i guess they say he's a mutant now because he has wings on his feet unlike other atlanteans he's got uh the red trunks instead of the green trunks still very early silver age name more and i'd say uh i press this it looks good i'd say it's like a good seven five maybe so i'm gonna send this in and see what she comes back at um yeah uh, are you working on an x-men run like that early not that my
1: X-Men run starts at 94 yeah. and goes all the way through 300. I decided was a cutoff point, but uh, yeah, I would love to kind of fill back up to
0: um, to the early early issues they're kind of like apple stock you know they're never gonna go down they're always gonna be there nice and solid um i you guys know i'm a huge jack kirby fan one of the more interesting uh eras of uh kirby was in the 50s when he and Joan simon tried to start their own comic book company called mainline they had titles like uh i believe fighting american bullseye things like that. They did Westerns, they did superheroes and they did romance because they invented the romance comic book genre in the forties. So they knew how to do it well. And I was on eBay and I saw a lot of these, these two books together. They are in love number four and five. Here's number four. It's not a Kirby cover. Uh, but you can see here, you know, um, Simon and Kirby smash hit nice you know very unusual back then for uh creators to get credit like that and here's number four this is the last issue under their company mainline they went under and like foxhole you guys know my foxholes are from mainline they sold all the remaining inventory to charlton so charlton put out issue five of in love this one does have a kirby cover and apparently in love number five is a really really scarce book and it does have a big, huge chunk out of the cover down here, but I've never seen a copy Uh number four is a mess. It's got a spine split, but five had, I wish I had taken it. I am so mad at myself. It had a gnarly uh, spine roll that I fixed. You know, you can't even tell now it, it looks good. And I wish I had taken a four pictures. I get in the zone and I, I, I can yeah, document sure. it for you guys. And I always say, I'm going to do it on Instagram. So yell at me uh, for not documenting my spine roll fixes. I'll start doing that. I swear I promise you guys. Uh, both four and five were listed for uh, $100. I offered 70 and the guy took it. Excellent. Oh, there you go. And I have one more show and tell book for this week. This came back from CGC uh, when we did our drop offs together at San Diego Comic Con. Mine got back super quick. Yours just got put into grading this week.
1: This week, yes.
0: And they're
1: the reholders. So and including a magazine reholder, which means it could be sometime around Christmas before a year. About
0: I don't now. know why it took so long for them to put your reholders in mine were full, uh, non fast track, modern and vintage and I got everything back already. Uh, this came back. It is champions number seven uh, 30 cent variant Nice that I found in a dollar bin. Oh, wow. No. Came back a 7.5 off white to white pager. So uh, really happy with that. Hercules, Hercules, Hercules. That's why. Uh, so there's show and tell for this week. Moving on to viewer mail. You've got mail. Uh, Richard, you start off. OK,
1: uh, my viewer mail, uh, first person of viewer mail is uh, from a uh, YouTuber Brycology, who uh, originally sent us a message uh, a few weeks ago about um, racism in comics and we kind of discussed that topic last show and uh gave my opinions on it and just the state of collecting comics that that have a racist theme um thanks for being authentic and not afraid to discuss racist tropes from the past um he 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 had mentioned that he had been debating with someone about whether or not comics were racist or not from the from the uh golden age Um, the guy who i was debating with said uh, many of those characters, like Little Eight Ball, were lovingly creating, created. Created, <laughs> maddening. Yeah, yeah, they could be lovingly created. That's true, but that doesn't change the fact that it's still a racist trope. Uh, you know, whatever happens to be, you know, big lips, watermelon. There's a, a variety of minstrel, and that's just African Americans. You know, racism in the comics have uh, followed you know, whatever race and ethnic group. And that's a part of that history. And as I've talked about before, you can accept that was a part of the history without condoning it. And um, that's kind of my, my attitude towards it. And no, we want to shy away from I I, I try not to, to to get too deep and heavy in this show because it's it's a fun show and we talk about things. But I, as I mentioned before, we also talk about our own experiences as a part of the comic book collecting. Um, uh world and this this is a part of it and i think it, it definitely uh needs to be raised and uh, people starting discussions about it
0: yeah i that, would matt baker have drawn little eight ball i don't think so um i don't think so either yeah I, I think he would have uh drawn the line somewhere um along not so much um about race but about uh very coded sexuality uh Someone, I can't remember who it was. I, my apologies brought up, um, uh, uh, Wilson Fisk's son, the Rose, uh, Spider-Man villain who was, uh, or was it Roderick Kingsley? One of them that Roger Stern created that was like super fay uh, and girly and like, uh, and you know, does this offend you? And I thought not really, it's kind of like being offended by Paul Lind, you know? Or, or Charles <laughs> Mitchell, <right?
1: laughs> uh, you know
0: the, the, guess what if some Faye guys exist uh you know i like the I, am i wrong for kind of liking the fact that he was a villain i mean i think that's kind of cool <laughs> yeah yeah i remember in the comics journal some people were really really on fire about roderick kingsley being you know a stereotype and of course he was into fashion and flowers and stuff like that you know uh but he was he was evil it was kind of cool i don't know am i wrong (sighs) i don't know being you know redefining what
1: is the boundaries of evil yeah
0: that's great somebody needs to revive him if he's not around that would be cool for someone to do a a take on him now uh my first piece of your mail comes from our email at bronze and modern gods gmail.com from warren do places. Warren, if I slaughter your name, I apologize. Greetings, John and Richard. I watch your show every week as I believe you two are the most knowledgeable hosts on YouTube. As far as comics are concerned. I really love the show. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Now for my question. Which bag is better for storing comics polypropylene or polyethylene? When I first started collecting way back when I was 13, I used the polypropylene as they were cheap and did the job. Then later on I purchased a comic that came in a polyethylene bag and I quickly noticed the difference. I've been buying polyethylene ever since as I feel they are just better quality. Please let me know your thoughts on this. Thanks, Warren. I think it's the other way around. Isn't polypropylene the nice ones that are clear? I I, I honestly don't remember which one is which. Let me go Um, do some research right now. Booyah! Kind of cool how I did that, huh? Yeah. uh, (laughs) Polypropylene, super clear polypropylene, acid free, no PVC, archival safe. So, yeah, I think you got it backwards there, Warren. Um, Polyethylene was the one that I used to use when, you know, back in the 80s, it was super cloudy. After a couple of years, it would get cloudy and gross. Yeah. When I
1: pulled my collection out of the attic from being up there for 30 years, it was the bags were very cloudy because the plastic over time degrades. I also have to mention, Regardless of what you use, you are going to need to change out the bags in your collection. You know, if you keep your collection more than five years, it's time to rebag it. I, it's a terrible thing for those people who have 40,
0: 50 boxes of comics. <laughs> but yeah, you want to rebag. Um, well, you stagger the, it out. You don't do them all at once. You know, that's a good. Point. yeah. Mm-hmm. You change three boxes and then, you know, you wait a month and you do three more boxes. That way you're staggering stuff. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, that that helps the longevity of your comics, because as those bags degrade, they, you know, the different chemicals are released and it's it's just better to remove those used bags uh, over time. Yeah. All right. Richard, what is your next piece of viewer mail? My next piece of viewer mail is also from YouTube. It's from uh, Lee Lee Iron three seven zero six. It's about Archie Comics. Archie Comics has gone even deeper into pop culture than one might realize the CW network for the past four or five years has had an offbeat show called Riverdale. It took me a while. took me into the second or third season before I realized what it really was, was basically an Archie comics on the little screen. I don't think I ever saw it more than a couple minutes of the show, uh, but my mother sure did enjoy it. I say that in the past tense, because in the past year uh, was the last season I'm not sure how close it resembled the comics aside from the name of the characters, but here too, they try to be relevant. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, that's that you bring up a very, very good point. Um, This is a vector for people who are not comic books, comic book collectors to, to find an interest in comic books. Um, The Riverdale show was loosely based on the characters from the comic book. Um, They Sexualized and teenageized them to the point that, um, and I shouldn't say teenage eyes. I should say CW eyes because a lot of CW characters are kind of the same, cut from the same cloth. Um, I also did not watch the show religiously. I think I watched the first episode and then here and there I would watch uh, some of it. It got a little too dramy, too uh, much like a, a a soap opera for me. Um, but I, I could, I could, I could see the appeal. If you like the show, you know, there may be some comic books, some of the Archie comics like Archie afterlife, which is a more darker, uh, feel to, to the storytelling that you might find appealing. So I'll, from that aspect, I love the show because, you know, anytime you have visibility in the mainstream, um, to comics, it promotes comics in general and you get new people who uh, come into the hobby, and that's always a good thing.
0: Lee, I don't think it was a secret that Riverdale was based on Archie comics. They were pretty vocal about it, and uh, they actually had a couple of uh, they had some influence on on the actual Archie comics. Uh, you had Life with Archie, where he, you know, it was an alternate reality where he gets married, and it was a much more dramatic approach. And uh, I was always I always heard it described as David Lynch goes to Riverdale. It, <laughs> Oh, really? I never heard that, it but a, that's kind yeah, of yeah. If it was a little more Twin Peaks ish, I'd be in there, man. <laughs> uh, I do know that they had Jughead wearing that stupid hat the first season. And some yeah, shots. yeah. Uh, my uh, next piece of viewer mail comes from our good friend Julius Maloney, a uh, longtime viewer. Oi, what's with the Don Hechtis? I mentioned. About <laughs> <Don Heck. clears throat> I have such a soft spot for Heck, as he did a lot of Wonder Woman in the 80s, and those were some of my first Wonder Woman comics I bought myself back in the day. I've read that he was one of Kirby's better inkers, question mark. Give Heck his flowers. Thanks for writing, Julius. No. <laughs> no I'm kidding. Um, Don Heck is complex. Uh And I say that because you look at his fifties, 1950s art, you look at the early iron man stuff and he could draw women like no one's business, beautiful women. His romance stuff was really, really good. Um, inking on Kirby, he was a little too scratchy for me, even doing his own inks, very scratchy, very, uh, very, uh, you could tell it was Don Heck inks and I think in the seventies bronze age, he got really sloppy. He got lazy, did shortcuts. Now, is that a bad thing? No, because he was getting a page rate. He had to make money. It was the, it was in those days where, you know, he wasn't able to sell his original art and become a name. So he, he had to hack stuff out in order to put food on the table. So do I expect, do I hold an artist like don heck to a gold standard like i would hold an artist today he gets some leeway there's a grading curve here does he appeal to me no um not a fan uh so if you came across some original art of his for let's say no maybe if it was like a love romances pages or page or something like that uh you know his, his his Avengers art was just it was brutal. Um, when he gets on the flash uh you know in the late seventies for uh, DC, it was it was not my not my jam. Mm-hmm. Fortunately. But I I feel
1: art from the seventies kind of suffered from that. Um this is a this is a day job kind of attitude where people were cranking out panels yeah. because yeah, even so, even I, the god King Kirby was guilty of that. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, it's a different market then. Um, I I don't really have a strong opinion about him. I did not read his stuff in in the uh, the seventies. I, I like his his work in the you know early work, but uh, I don't have a have a leg in this race
0: i think what got me was the bait and switch and it wasn't just on heck it was all it was all over the bronze age you would see this awesome gil Kane cover on champions and you'd open it up and on heck yeah
1: (laughs) but that's this comics in general i mean even the 40s you know you'd have this wonderful matt baker cover and you open it up the book
0: and oh so yeah, that's his commentary. Captain America, Alex Schomburg cover, and you open up Al Davis, and <laughs> uh, well,
1: they, that, that, still, that still happens today. You know how many books now are sold strictly for the cover, and you know people don't really care about the interior art or the story at that's all. That's
0: true. I will say, Don Heck, one of the founding fathers, right there with Kirby, Ditko, uh, Lee, and Lieber. Uh, he's right there. So there you go, uh, Julius. We can agree to disagree. Richard, your next piece
1: of viewer mail. My next piece is from uh, YouTuber Timothy Markin four four eight one. Back in nineteen ninety two, I bought a Love and Rockets t shirt with the cover art to issue twenty four. That's what I'm wearing right now. If you should know my, I have a t shirt here. This is the one that I got at SDCC, and you can see it's got Love and Rockets in red across the top. But the artwork on my T-shirt is white. Why they just couldn't just take the red all the way through and match the actual cover? I I, I don't understand. Um, so uh, it was a white a white shirt with the art in red, uh, which is which would be wonderful. So thirty years ago, that kind of shirt you described did exist, and I still own it, though it's way too small now. Oh, I know that. Uh, I did require a decent copy of *Love and Rockets* twenty-four last year for sixty dollars on eBay. Finally, finishing up the run, including first printings going back to number two. Oh, so close! Yeah, took uh, many years because I did. I was actually collecting this series new when the last issue, number fifty, was published three decades ago. Uh, awesome! I'm glad you finished the run. Uh, I also was buying the books. This this particular title, I don't remember if I got to the actual end by. I got pretty close and I had to, you know, this is, this is one of those titles that I read cover to cover. um, Even Gilbert stuff. Um, (laughs) But I, I had no place to put it, you know, it wouldn't fit in my comic book boxes. Uh, I couldn't bag and board it. So I, you know, I, I would stick it in a pile and, they just, my original copies did not survive very well over the decades. And that's just unfortunately, because of the, 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 the format. Um, I hope your books are in better condition than mine. Um, I really do need to flush out um, my collection and, and get those last books
0: so that I can have a full run of the original storyline. Do you do you have the full run? Uh, I was just going to show you something through the magic of editing. Oh, See, I did it again. Isn't that cool? Um, when I moved, I had to really lean down and clean out the house. And I purged all my magazines. And by that, I mean, I threw them in the dumpster. Uh, oh. I kept certain things, but I look back at what I threw away and I'm so angry at myself, like an almost full run of Jack Kirby collector magazine, um, comic book artist, Uh, just, you know, I thought, oh, no one's ever going to want comic book marketplace. It's not going to be a collectible. Now they are. Uh, that's how things become collectibles. John, you should know this after years on earth. These are my love and rockets. This is one of, uh, two Ikea sold these cardboard magazine holders. Uh I have two of these and you'll see they're in here and they're all bent up. They're all a mess. Uh, because I read them. I've got them all yeah. in here, and I, I mean, I think this is twenty through fifty right here. Yeah, here's here's issue fifty. Here's the end, um, and they're just in this horrible cardboard thing that does not—it's not conducive to keeping them minty fresh. That's why twenty-four is so hard to find in decent condition. It's amazing they, they like I said they are a different form factors so they they
1: don't they don't fit with the rest of your comics. You, you go to the comic book store you get your pull uh, from your pull list and there'd be back back when those came out you'd have 25 books and you know because they, yeah. you know they're 50 cents maybe a dollar um and then you'd have the magazines you'd have that. And I'm trying to think of what other magazines that I would get back from. Star-log. from
0: Starlog.
1: Starlog, oh God,
0: yes. Comic really scene, comics journal. <laughs> I that.
1: Yeah, so, you, so you'd have comic books and then you'd have these oversized things. And um, I, I guess I just mentally didn't equate them as comics because they're in black and white. Yeah. They're a bigger format. And um, I never really, unfortunately took care of him the same way that I took care of my comics.
0: Nobody did. I mean, I, I had a couple magazine boxes, uh, that I bought, but they filled up very quickly. And, and when I moved, like I said, this was, I'm not, this was not long ago. This is like 2010 when I threw all this stuff. Out. Oh, yeah, okay. exactly. So I look now better. <laughs> Yeah, better. Yeah. I threw away all those comic fortresses too that I had. Yeah, I I was it was a it was a messy breakup. You guys it was I got I had to get out of that house. Uh, (laughs) My last piece of your mail (laughs) comes to us from our Gmail at bronze and modern gods at gmail.com from Kenny collector who wrote us last week before our foreign variants episode went live. He was so excited. He wrote, Hey, guys, I see that you'll be talking about foreign variants today. This is one of my favorite topics as I love to collect foreign editions. I have dozens from such places as Turkey, Greece, Italy, Mexico, Germany, and more. The titles include spawn X-Men, amazing Spider-Man, and many more. I received my copies of miles Morales, number one UK edition the other day, and they look awesome. I have the Batman awesome. beyond number one, German edition in route Richard. thanks Thank excellent. you. Um, the most important foreign that I have so far is Captain America 21, the Greek edition. The cover is a color modification of X Men fourteen, the first Sentinels. The interior stories include Captain America one seventy eight, X Men twenty two, and two backup stories from Amazing Fantasy fifteen, The Bell Ringer, and There Are Martians Among Us. Uh, what an eclectic group of stories no. to put in the book! Thanks, Kenny. I think they missed the most important story in Amazing Fantasy fifteen, but okay. Yeah, well. Uh, I, I appreciate your mail. I didn't have a chance to show these last week. Uh, these came back from CGC. I dropped them off at San Diego and they, uh, are more Mexican X-Men variants. How about that first alpha flight? Oh, beautiful. In- wow. Nine 0 yeah. yeah. uh, off white pages looking good. And if part one isn't enough for you, how about part two, uh, X-Men 121. Mexican edition, 8.5 off oh, vindicator. And the there he is getting it right in the gut from a uh, cyclops. Ooh, right. In the solar plexus with the optic, <laughs> it, it's funny. You have alpha flight there in Canada. Who's missing from this cover. There's no Wolverine. There is none. no, no. Um, and is he on the cover of, yeah, he's on the cover of one twenty. which by the way, did you know, this is George Perez cover? It is? Yeah. I, I, did it. I just realized that when when it came back, um sorry, this is a Bob Budiansky cover, rather. Um there there is a George Perez X-Men cover that I can't remember which one it is that I was like, oh, George Perez drew that? Yeah, it's interesting. Bob Budiansky and Terry Austin drew this cover. So, you know, um shooter and burn were just mortal enemies, it seems like that he can't draw the covers yet. He's not ready. Burns like Let me draw my covers. Man,
1: I wish I had known that I would have asked Jim about that when we
0: had our. Oh, he wasn't ready. I'm sure you would have gotten that. Uh, you know, it's a long time ago. He was a young man, it was what 1978. It was, uh-huh. it was, he was, you know, we're all old farts now. Hey, segue old fart rule. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, the old fart rule today, I picked it for once. We go back to 1983, 40 years ago to the books that shaped our collections or that we overlooked and missed. And we want to talk about and shine a light on them today. That is the case today with, believe it or not, GI combat number 250. Richard, were you like me zero interest in war books? Yeah. Well, I had interest, but I, it waned by, by this point. Um, I. I wasn't buying new war books, let's say. I don't think anybody in our shop that I, I ran uh, at the time were. Well, I wasn't running the shop in 83, so this was a little early. Um, GI Combat 250 was the anniversary issue of this long running war title, which was still going strong in 1983. It began way back in 1952 from Quality Comics. And when they went under, DC acquired their catalog and kept publishing books like this, and I believe. Young Romance was a quality title. Blackhawk was quality. Plastic Man, they didn't continue publishing Plastic Man, but they bought the rights. Doll Man, let's not forget Doll Man. How can we forget Doll Man? At this point, GI Combat had gone from being one of the last standing dollar comics, DC's experiment with a giant 68 page dollar format to being basically just a 52 page double sized comic that still had a dollar price point. Um, GI Combat, man, they had a formula that seemed to work. They were going to work that formula into the ground. You had a Joe Kubert cover, you had a story with the Haunted Tank, maybe one or two, and then just little two to five page war tales in between. And boy, year after year after year, grinding them out. It it worked, and they knew their audience, and their and and
1: their audience. They trained their audience over the decades. I have to say, it's, you You knew what you were getting when you bought a GI combat
0: book. It worked for decades. GI combat ran until issue 288 in 1987. That's a pretty astonishing run for a war title. I mean, I think uh, Sergeant Fury at Marvel gave up the ghost in 1980. So for that to run another seven years. Uh, near the end, they tried to tweak it a bit. They, they saw the success that Marvel was having with GI Joe, which, you know, not really a war title but they introduced a new feature called the mercenaries. They were, you know, multicultural, multinational group of mercenaries that just kind of reminded you a little bit, maybe of GI Joe, just a slight little bit. Uh, for GI combat 250, uh, CGC 9.8 sold for a whopping $50 hairs in February of 2021, the comic boom of 2021, $50. $50. Um, I actually started collecting dollar comics. I had a, a weird goal about seven, eight years ago. I'm going to buy all the DC dollar comics. And boy, are they tough and great GI combat in particular. Uh, these are tough books to get above a 9.0. because it like love and rockets? People read them, you know? Yeah. Good books. I, I, my first experience with, with them was
1: at the barbershop. The, my barber had a stack of comics that occupied the kids where their parents got their hair cut or they got their hair cut. And I was reading these things. Some have covers, some didn't. Uh, and so you're right, condition
0: is, is difficult because people read these books. This is a book that just died in the direct market. Nobody bought it. It was very low seller. So this was kept alive just mostly by newsstand sales. So this was very much a civilian book. The civilians would read them, as I refer to the non-hardcore comic fans. They would just uh, do drive by readings of GI combat. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And I have to mention,
1: I was reading them in the, in the uh, barbershop when I was eight, eight or 10 years old. So more stories, <laughs> yeah. we, we, we let our kids read read them back then because that's that's the way we rolled back in the 80s and the 70s.
0: Not only war stories, but war stories with a ghost of a Confederate general running a tank. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh, the haunted tank. I, GI
1: Combat 87 is still one of the books I want, the first haunted tank. Oh man. Good
0: luck with that. Uh, Maybe uh, in Baltimore you can uh someone can hook you up. Yeah, I'm gonna keep a lookout. All right, time for our underrated books of the week, Richard. You picked this just for me, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I realize we have never talked about this book mm-hmm. uh, other
1: than, in, you know, in mentioning it in passing. It's Zot number 1 from Eclipse back in 1984. Uh, so This book is the first appearance of Zots, written and drawn by Scott McLeod. Ran for 36 issues total. The first 10 were in color. The rest of them were in black and white because they found out that the book wasn't making money in color, but they were able to make a profit uh, printing it in black and white this book always it's 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 such a it's such a happy happy it's just that it was made to be kind of the counterculture to the dark and, and broody stories that were going on in dc and marvel so it's a happy upbeat kind of storyline it's more a lot more along the lines of shazam and the marvel family than it is batman or the x-men um and i always pictured this book more of like a comic book strip you know it reads it, it doesn't have very deep stories, uh, at least in my opinion. And uh, so the, sto- the, the book can be divided into different panels. And I think w- would have made a great comic book um, strip for a newspaper. But it's an inter- interesting storyline. Um, if you're interested in reading it, there in 2000, uh, Scott McCloud actually made a webcomic for this. And it's available. Uh, we'll post the uh, URL to the webcomic. Um, you can get a kind of feel for the characters from uh, the story. Census, there are only 40 books on the census. Uh, 15 of them are 9.8s. Are GPA is, as of July of this year, the last sale for 9.8 was $134. So not overly expensive. But I think, think people who bought books back in this era you know, have some nostalgia for this story and the storyline. And... Uh, I, I really think it's undervalued at, at 134 for the 98.
0: I love this book. I, I I understand why it hasn't been reprinted very much. Uh, Eclipse lost a lot of the negatives in a flood, a giant flood that destroyed a lot of uh, inventory. Uh, but I wish it would come back. I wish it would come as a digital comic or you know be accessible in some way outside of gray market uh, downloads because uh it was really well done it was surprisingly adult near the end Zot had like two eras it had that lighthearted superhero science fictiony uh part you know the first 15 or 20 or so issues and then Zot gets trapped on Earth and it really stops being about Zot and being more about his friend Jenny and her troubles mm-hmm. in high school and her friends having issues it was almost like an after school special in a lot of respects very much like love and rockets like a teenage love and rockets uh and i think maybe scott McCloud was looking over here and said oh that's actually the book i want to do this was fun you know <laughs> jenny's brother butch turning into a monkey and things like that that kind of went away all of a sudden it never happened again and uh and then you know it ran 36 issues and then it just kind of ended uh i think he wanted to go off and do other things i think it was a holding on sales wise but he ended up writing uh understanding comics which is a groundbreaking uh book that's yeah. taught in schools and and you know he's probably made so much money off that that you know zod is a fun little training ground for that yeah. Yeah,
1: we 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 have never talked about that book too. That's something else I think at some point we need to correct.
0: About 5 or 6 years ago, uh going back to Zot, sorry. I I got a full run of 36 issues of Zot in high grade on eBay, I think for 30 bucks. So yes. wow. So they're out there. Wow. Uh you know, it's dollar bin stuff a lot. Uh, another book that's tough to grade cuz people read it, you know, people weren't going, you know, Zot's gonna be worth a hundred bucks someday. They were just like, I like this book. Uh, a lot of the eclipse stuff is like that. Uh, Excellent pick Richard. Um, very forgotten book. Uh, sadly, Mm -hmm. I, I wish people knew more about it. I wish more people knew about Zot. Um, my underrated book of the week is one for you. It is a Barbie fashion number 13. It is a swimsuit cover featuring none other than Barbie Swimming with a School of Fish by Amanda Hartley Quinn Connor, no less. If this cover looks a little familiar, Richard, that's because it is an homage to showcase number seventy nine featuring Dolphin, uh drawn by the legendary J. Scott Pike. Look at those two covers. Ah, uh, Yeah. Didn't know about this one, did you? I did not. You, you uh, ping me when uh, you, you were
1: talking about featuring this book. And I, I didn't, I wasn't really aware there were any homages to that cover for showcase 79. So this is,
0: this is pretty cool. I'd like to give Amanda the um, benefit of the doubt and say it was intentional. Dot, 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 question mark, <laughs> not, not a swipe. Uh, a CGC 9.8 of Barbie fashion 13 sold for a hundred dollars in January of 2022 in the great cog boom. Of 2022 uh raws on ebay for this book are kind of all over the place um anywhere from five to thirty dollars but apparently someone came across a little stash of them a box or something because there are three different lots of 12 to 15 copies each that sold for 120 to 150 bucks uh late june and july of this year look at those three finished uh, ebay auctions so maybe not as scarce as we think it is um Although this might be a book you can find at your LCS or in dollar bins, but with the Barbie movie doing so well now, a lot of dealers are rethinking their Barbie stock and digging in. Remember Neo Comic-Con, all the people that had Barbie on their wall.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, definitely because of the success of the movie. Right?
0: Guarantee you all those dealers, they had those Barbies on their, on their back wall. Those Barbies were sitting in a $3 bin two months prior.
1: Oh, don't get me started. I I remember Neocon, somebody had, um, this is in years, a year, number of years ago, Star Wars, number one, high grade Star Wars, number one, um, 10 bucks. <sighs> and I, was, I, I, I passed it by. Um,
0: yeah, books come and go come. in terms of popularity. <laughs> we learned don't pass by Star Wars books when they're 10 bucks. Don't throw away your magazines and don't throw away your fortresses. Just these are the lessons for today, I suppose. Well, that is gonna do it for another week. Thanks everyone for checking us out. We will see you in Baltimore in a couple of weeks, and we will catch you next time. Thanks, Richard. Thanks, John. Love you. Stay safe.